Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What is better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs, and I'm all by my lonesome today. Actually, that's not true. Uh, I have each and every one of you here on the Draft Dudes, all of my co-hosts. Today, I thank you for not abandoning me like Joe Marino did uh, with his decision to go to Bill's Panthers practice instead. Uh, very, very disrespectful from Joe's perspective, but that, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Big 12 today, talk about the uh, the Big 12 players in question, because I know Joe wanted to challenge a little bit my take that Texas uh, was going to win the Big 12 this year. We're not getting him the opportunity to do that because I'm going to talk about the Big 12 when Joe's not on the show. I'll talk to all of you about it, but I won't have to deal with him questioning me back. First thing I want to do, unique conference in that there's no divisions, right? It's just straight up like the best two at the end of the season play in a conference championship game. So there's no like dividing this by conference like we did with the Big Ten uh, at the beginning. I'm sorry, the SEC at the beginning of the week on Monday. So I'm just going to work real quick through the teams for draft-specific prospects that you guys should be aware of. And then we'll get into some of the macro, uh, bigger viewpoints, bigger pictures of the Big 12 in general. So starting with my pick to win the conference, the Texas Longhorns. Texas has notable offensive prospects this year, starting first and foremost with wide receiver Colin Johnson. Senior, number nine, uh, he's a stud. Uh, He is a little bit looser than what you want to give him credit for when you first watch him play. Uh, His burst and explosiveness is much more... Uh, noticeable when it is in linear situations, but that doesn't mean that he's just a straight line guy. And Devin Duvernay, uh, their other senior wide receiver, number six, sneakily a good player. Uh, he had a big play against West Virginia last year. Um, I, I remember a late touchdown in that game, I believe, that, to put Texas back on top. So that's they, they got two pass catchers. And then on the offensive line, they have center Zach Shackelford, uh, they brought in Parker Braun from Georgia Tech as a transfer, who's a redshirt senior. Uh, and then Sam Cosme is switching over from right tackle to left tackle. And then Denzel Okafor is playing right tackle. Uh, the entire offensive line, with the exception of left guard, which is still not sorted out between Parker Braun and a true freshman, uh, is draft-eligible players. You add on top of that Sam Ellinger, who I think the arrow is pointing up on. I'm not buying him all in as like, Yes, this guy guy can be a starting quarterback, but there's some parallels between the way that he started his career and how Dak Prescott started his career at Mississippi State, some of the progression that Dak made throughout his years before ultimately making the jump as a mid-round pick. Ellinger's kind of got same strengths and weaknesses, like pretty heavy padded runner when he runs. The arm talent is there from like an arm strength perspective. Uh, The natural throwing ability is something that had to be worked on with Dak. It has to be worked on with Sam Ellinger, but you know, the intangibles are all there. So interesting offense for Texas. I think they have potential to have four or five, maybe even six guys come out this year 
Defensively, uh, defensive end Malcolm Roach uh, is a senior. Uh, Caden Stearns is a true true sophomore. Uh, the safety to note is uh, Brandon Jones, who's also a senior. This is a big dude. This guy's like 6'2", 6'3". Um, so they're going to have defensive prospects as well. I think their more interesting NFL draft perspective is on the offensive side of the football. You can't talk about the Big 12 and not talk about Oklahoma. Let's just start with CeeDee Lamb, Grant Calcaterra, Kenny Brooks, Trey Sermon. The entire skill group is phenomenal with this group. A very dynamic group all around. Lamb's the best of the bunch, true junior. I don't want to sleep on Grant Calcaterra, though. Uh, 6'3", 220. He's actually listed on their depth chart as a wide receiver, which I don't hate because, like, my guy's never going to play with his hand in the dirt at the next level. He's listed as their Y, which is technically you know, uh, some terminology used yet for, for tight ends. Calcaterra's a receiving tight end. Um, big slot type. He's got phenomenal hands, but so does CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is so dynamic on the outside. He's such a great route runner. Uh, Jalen Hurts, obviously transferring over from Alabama, is going to make this interesting. I think it'll keep them very productive as far as you know. Hurts is an experienced player. He's very athletic, of course, and he has arm strength too, so he can push the ball down the field and let some of these guys make plays on it down the field. Um, offensive line uh, is very young. Uh, they got their their starters right now list four redshirt sophomores and uh, a redshirt freshman. So. Creed Humphrey is the only returning starter from last year's group. Uh, might be the best of the bunch, though. You know, this is a potential top 50 pick. So they got potential top 50 picks in CeeDee Lamb, Ground Calcaterra, and Creed Humphrey, in my opinion, coming in the, the uh, end of the season. I know, uh, I believe it was Dave Brugler really liked Neville Gallimore, uh, number 90, uh, redshirt senior, uh, nose tackle for Oklahoma. Uh, they also have uh, Kenneth Murray, number nine, is a really productive linebacker for them. I know defensively, Oklahoma doesn't like to play a lot of defense, but uh, they they do have a couple prospects to note. Uh, TCU is a team that I expect to be very competitive this year, um, and they have some talent. They have Lucas Nyang, obviously right tackle, uh, true senior, Jalen Rager, uh, who could be a Hollywood Brown type of receiver, uh, plays the Z for them. So he's the vertical guy. He's going to run like 4-3 flat. He can zoom. And then TCU also has two running backs that were listed as like the best freaks in college football between Darius Anderson and Siwo Olin. I should have worked on this one beforehand, damn it. Siwo uh, O. He's 6'3", 225. Uh, a note here, he was arrested for felony drug charges on May 14, 2019. So uh, I do have their R-lads up just kind of looking at the player profiles and see, well, uh, a little bit of off-the-field issues that that do need to be accounted for. Uh, but a very good athlete for his size. Uh, defensively for TCU, it starts with me for Jeff Gladney. Uh, the corner, this might be their best corner since Jason Verrett came through in like 2013. Uh, he's not quite as loose and flexible as Verrett, but the ball skills here are spectacular. So another team that's going to have 
for a conference that doesn't play defense, we're going to have some notable talking points on both sides of the football for them. Oklahoma State, uh, Tylen Wallace is kind of where it starts and finishes for them. I know some people like Chubba Hubbard. So Tylen Wallace is number two, a junior wide receiver for them. Uh, big, big play, big production guy. Uh, Chubba Hubbard is a redshirt sophomore back, and he is 6'1", 190. The other name that we do need to at least circle and acknowledge here, uh, they had a transfer in at quarterback, a senior transfer in Drew Brown. So he's six foot two hundred. Uh, he plays quarterback, and uh, this will be Oklahoma State's third quarterback in three years. So he's kind of like an X factor. Um, he got one snap last year. In, in the Liberty Bowl, Taylor Cornelius had his uh, helmet come off, so he had to go in for one play. Uh, he was a junior at Hawaii. So he played uh, Juco as a freshman in 2015 and then played in 2016-2017 at Hawaii. Transferred to Oklahoma State, redshirted last year, and now is playing his final year, final year of eligibility in Stillwater. West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, this team is all about like the trenches in the front seven this year. So they lost obviously Will Greer and Sills and uh, Sims who went through the uh, supplemental draft process. Uh, they do have an interesting back in Kennedy McCoy, number six. Ball secured, I believe, is an issue there. Uh, but their prospects for the next level for this year are left tackle Colton McKivitz, uh, Offensive guard Josh Sills, they got some like country fed dudes up front that are really, really big, really, really physical. So if you want to watch Oklahoma or West Virginia play this year, it's ground game and it's offensive line. Austin Kendall is a transfer, redshirt transfer uh, from Oklahoma playing for them this year. I think he's trying to lock down the starting quarterback job. Defensively, Reese Donahue, uh, defensive end number 46, and uh Corner Hakeem Bailey are two names to watch. Donahue's true senior. Hakeem Bailey's a redshirt senior transfer, uh, transferred over from a, a JUCO. West Virginia has been one of those schools. Uh, I know uh, Dana Holgerson's no longer there, but uh, they were consistently in the JUCO market uh, with Dana there. Now Neil Brown coming up from Troy to, to be the head coach here. Josh Norwood, the other corner, number four, is actually not bad in his own right. And he initially was committed to uh, Ohio State. So that's a big-time talent question is, can that talent be married on the field? Uh, West Virginia is kind of a wild card for me defensively because they've played this uh, 3-3 stack for a really long time. And that's been uh, removed. They're now playing um, a little bit more of a traditional defense. So... I'm fascinated to see what those changes look like uh, for West Virginia. The other name that I do want to at least acknowledge is Dylan Tonkery, a uh, redshirt linebacker. Uh, he's a fun player. He's undersized a little bit, uh, but he's only a redshirt junior. I don't think he's the kind of player that would end up declaring early anyway. Uh, Texas Tech, getting close to the end here, run the back five. 
uh, wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers. TJ Vasher is still here, redshirt junior. This is the dude that caught this unbelievable one-handed touchdown in the opening week of uh, the college football season last year. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks, I got nothing for you. Maybe Puka Williams. Actually, that's not true. I have one name for you. Hakeem Adeniji uh, is their senior left tackle. If you were going to identify a single star or potential NFL talent on Kansas's offense or defense this year, it would be him. Uh, the Baylor Bears, Denzel Mims, I know a lot of people like as a senior uh, wide receiver, uh, kind of a vertical guy. Uh, straight line speed. Uh, he's not super physical. He gets brought down on contact pretty easy. So he's a little one dimensional. Charlie Brewer's their quarterback. Uh, number 12 is junior. Uh, I like him. I think he's got a nice arm on him, but uh, I don't think he's going to be in contention to leave early this year or anything along those lines. Uh, Kansas State. Offensive line is where it's at. You got Scott France. At left tackle, uh, Adam Holtdorf at center for them. Uh, so if you want the primer on Kansas State, you know, you got to start and finish in the trenches. And then Iowa State has, uh, I know they have a defensive lineman, Ray Lima. Uh, red shirt senior transfer, uh, 6'3", 3'10". Probably their best pro prospect at this point. Um, just making sure I'm not missing anybody else for them. Yeah, Ray Lima is kind of the, the one name that I have starred on their roster as far as a guy that I want to prioritize and watch throughout the season. So that's like a 10-minute primer on the notable names from each of the Big 12 schools. And now I want to talk a little bit about why I think Texas is going to win the Big 12 this year. So we got to pull up the Texas football schedule. Since I have no producer here to bail me out. And Texas, I know Brad Kelly had made a mention of, well, Texas uh, has a lot of turnover. Uh, they're, they're not bringing back a ton of starters from last year's team, but I think they're bringing back town in the right spots, right? So they play Louisiana tech at home season, home opener. It's a win. And then they they host LSU. And I think LSU, I don't want to go out on a limb and say, Texas is going to beat LSU because I would be very disrespectful to LSU to dismiss them. But I think there's a very realistic chance the Texas beats LSU, especially in Austin, in which case then Texas has the wiggle room to go through the Big 12 slate and lose a football game. And here's the Big 12 slate for, for Texas. They have rice the following week, so excuse me for overlooking that one. They're home against Oklahoma State. Great. They're on the road at West Virginia. After West Virginia lost all their big pieces last year from the team that scored the two-point conversion in the final minute of the football game. Neutral site game against Oklahoma. Texas won it last year in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. Home against Kansas. 
at TCU. That's probably the next toughest game on this schedule because then they're home against Kansas State, they're at Iowa State, they're at Baylor, and they're home against Texas Tech. So you got to circle October 26th at TCU, October 12th, neutral site versus Oklahoma. If they win one of those two games, they're a lock for the conference championship game. And if they beat, if they win one of LSU and Oklahoma, and then they win the Big 12 championship and beat presumably Oklahoma again, or even if they lose to Oklahoma and beat LSU, but then win the Big 12 championship with one loss and the one loss being to LSU, that's college football playoff resume. I really believe that it is. So uh, there's enough kind of dominoes here where they have flexibility within their schedule to just take care of business, put themselves in a position to effectively be in a college football playoff play-in game with the Big 12 championship game. So now we'll pull up Oklahoma's football schedule for this year. Not going to do this for all 12 teams, do not worry. We're going to do this for Oklahoma. We're going to call this today. Okay, so we got home against Houston and South Dakota. Wins. No problem. At UCLA. It's a win. No problem. Texas Tech. Home. Win. On the road, Kansas. Win. Neutral site game, Texas Longhorns. Flip a coin. Home against West Virginia. It's a win. At Kansas State, it's probably a win. They're home against Iowa State, who's maybe a potential tough out. Win. At Baylor, win. Home against TCU and at Oklahoma State. Their last two games are not easy with TCU late and then the rivalry weekend game against Oklahoma State and then the Big 12 championship game. Um, this could feasibly be a situation where if Texas beats LSU and then Texas loses to Oklahoma, Oklahoma can come in at 12 and 0 and Texas can come in at 11 and 1 and it's a playing game. And whoever wins, like if Texas beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, they should make as the tiebreaker of winning the conference championship, they should win the college football playoff bid. Why do I think Texas can beat Oklahoma once or twice this year? I think they'll have more sustained quarterback play. I know Jalen Hurts has come along as a passer, but I think Sam Ellinger showed me more growth, and obviously that's easy to do when you have more reps, but Ellinger and his play strength versus Hertz coming into an offense that's been very quarterback friendly, but like he's never had to run before. And Texas still has dynamic weapons on the offense. But I think they're more physical on defense. And I think that's the big thing with like Oklahoma, especially this year, you know, they, they have uh, Calcaterra and CeeDee Lamb. They have all these pass catchers, but they don't have that established speed dynamic coming into this year. That's going to like really give teams problems. And they, they leaned on Hollywood Brown in so many situations in that way. Last year, I think Oklahoma losing Hollywood Brown 
and not having an established replacement, like somebody you know with speed is going to be able to give them that dynamic on offense, I think it plays a little bit more into Texas being a more physical football team. I think Texas's offensive line is more physical than Oklahoma's defense in front seven. And I think Texas's defense is physical enough that they can bang a little bit with with Sermon uh, and, and um, kind of make like life difficult trying to run the football. So that, for me, is why even though Texas isn't bringing back a ton of starters, what I know about this roster makes me favor Texas and their ability to play physical and Oklahoma's inability to counter. I guess we'll find out. You let me know if you think I'm wrong. You can reach me at Grinding the Tape. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Joe will be back on tomorrow. We'll be business as usual. As scheduled the rest of the week, we got to do the Big Ten, we got to do the ACC, and we got to do the Pac 12. So there's plenty of interesting talking points coming up for these conferences. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this snapshot uh, preseason of, of my viewpoint on the prospects for each of the Big 12 teams and why I think Texas will be your Big 12 champions in 2019. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.